As superhero movies are becoming mainstream entertainment at theaters around the world, comic fans also have plenty of heroic action on the small screen to keep them sated while waiting for the next blockbuster. We are in a golden age of superhero television shows, with plenty of offerings from both the Marvel and DC universes, and the trend shows no sign of slowing down. To chronicle these recent shows and even examine some of the classics, we are proud to present Weekly Heroics, a two true freaks guide to heroes on TV. In every podcast, we'll be doing recaps of individual episodes of one Marvel show and one DC show until we catch up to them or some supervillains shut us all down. My name is Scott McGregor, and I'm the fastest podcaster alive. That's what she said. And I'm Chris Tyler, one of your agents of cool. To bring you this podcast, we each have to become someone else. We each have to become something else. Welcome to another Weekly Heroics on Two True Freaks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's us. Another Weekly Heroics, Two True Freaks Guide to Heroes on TV. Just going to dive right in here tonight, man. Um, Scott 2.0 here with you, Scott McGregor, and my esteemed co-host, the hair metal hero, Mr. Hey. Chris Tyler. And, How's it going? Uh, together we form Binge Storm. Binge Storm. Yes. TV consuming. Yeah, speaking weird. of binging, I I binged both seasons of Broadchurch on Netflix. Oh the wow! Oh god! That is uh, not super heroic, but uh, it's good TV. Mr. Tennant is in that, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, I think it's playing or two episodes. Yeah, playing very differently than the Doctor. Yeah. yeah, like like what he played in yeah Purple Man times ten kind of. Ah. <laughs> broken in a very different way. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember seeing a couple of those episodes. You have to get back to them eventually. It's, uh, yeah, there's the, there are far worse ways that you could spend watching 16 hours of television. And I'm saving my energy for end of this month. Well, this may come out after at this point, so should not really reference time at all in this this podcast. <laughs> time is an illusion. So I, I'm readying myself for the inevitable Luke Cage binge watching. So oh, that's happening. Yeah. Oh, that is so happening. Read some very good reviews. You may even be hearing the roundtable to that before you hear this episode. Who knows? <laughs> it's we we referenced David Tennant, so it's all timey wimey at this point. Yep. But uh, this week. We are doing for you our usual thing. We're up to Season 1, Episode 7 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Season 1, Episode 4 of The Flash. And I think I'll, I'll just give us a start this week, I guess. Uh, so Season 1, Episode 7 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is titled The Hub, uh, referencing a uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. facility. Coulson is dragged into an underground bunker by some soldiers who warn he's about to meet the interrogator who is actually an undercover S.H.I.E.L.D. agent named Shaw. The time has come for the end of his assignment. Warden may storm the area, they take out the bad guys, and lead everyone to an escape route from the Siberian prison. 
Once aboard the bus, Gemma removes the intel Sean accumulated by pulling a small vial from his nose in a very graphic, cringeworthy scene with an x-ray. Think of Total Recall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the team is bringing the information to a classified location known as The Hub. And that was kind of our opening scene to the episode. Uh, the mission that evolves from the intelligence gathered by Shaw is classified level 8, and we meet Agent Victoria Hand, and she lets Coulson know that a separatist group has built a weapon known as the Overkill Device, um, and they plan to use it to declare their independence from Russia and Georgia. And it produces uh, sonic vibrations that can trigger weapons from a great distance, so essentially they can like, just set off nukes and crap, um, which would be very, very bad, obviously. Sky and Gemma are not part of the briefing, and neither is Fitz, but he's going to be part of the mission, as we learn, and his expertise is needed to um, disable the weapon in the field, and Coulson, of course, orders Ward to take care of his partner. Now, we, we, get, to, we get to see one of the, the rare crossovers from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to the Marvel Universe in this episode, and we've got uh, Agent Sitwell, who shows up, and... Um, and I totally lost my place just by mentioning that. But he'll come a little later, I'm sure. Because it was in my notes earlier, and he was in the, the episode. So, yeah, yeah, Anyway, uh, back to the plot at hand. Ward has a contact that can get them across the border, or so he thinks. But the guy he's looking for, it turns out to be dead. And he and Fitz uh, get uh, tied up and are about to be blown away um, by the locals in this Russian bar. When the lights go out, and this puts the execution on hold, and uh, Fitz ends up making buddies with everyone um, by uh, fixing the fuse box because the cable went out, essentially. They're all watching some game, and, and <laughs> they're about to kill uh, kill Fitz and Ward, and, you know, that just brought things to a screeching halt, and uh, yeah, fix, uh, <laughs> Fitz fixed the cable for him, and, and everyone is friends. And uh, they were even calling him, what was it, like Mamushka or is it Little Bear. Yeah, the big Russian matron was, was calling Fitz her Little Bear. And now just to just give a hint of the, the dynamic starting out, this was kind of a, it's a kind of, you know, a buddy picture almost between Ward and Fitz in this episode. And it was, it was kind of cool that, you know, it's, it's the classic that Fitz is going to be the underestimated agent, you know, and, and Ward's got to look out for him, keep him safe, because he's just the tech guy, and, and uh, you know, Fitz kind of latches onto this vibe very early, and he does, you know, everything in his power to prove that, no, I'm, you know, I'm just as much of a shield agent as anyone else, come on, let's go get this done, you know, you don't have to hold my hand through this. And yeah, great, some, some great character moments for, for the guy who plays Fitz. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, anyway, Ward is impressed uh, as he learns later that it was uh, Fitz that actually caused the the fuse blowing in the first place with one of his little EMP devices. And uh, luckily, they with Fitz misinterpreting exchange rates of uh, of rubles and such a little bit, um, he ends up getting themselves uh, getting them a ride across the border. <laughs> Back to the hub, uh, Sky is uh, frustrated, almost to a whiny level that almost got annoying, but I think that was the point. Frustrated that she's in the dark regarding the mission, and uh, she ropes Gemma into helping her uh, get some details, very, some very fun scenes. Um, with uh, you know, it, It's kind of the, 
both Fitz and Simmons get to be like real agents. You know, I get to be a real boy finally in this uh, episode, <laughs> and, and they both shine. Sort of Gemma's a little little worse at it than Fitz is, unfortunately. <laughs> As it turns out, though, Coulson is having a hard time keeping secrets from his team, obviously with Gemma and, and Sky on the on the case. He talks with May where he does all his talking, usually, kind of his little personal shrink she's become. And she has him realizing that he needs to trust the system, as he's always telling everyone else. But for his still-in-the-dark agents, they are trying to get info from a restricted hallway. Gemma is dropped or is stopped with Agent Sitwell while helping Sky, and she tries many things including telling him that she took a wrong turn to, to the loo. And he asked, what are you doing in this out-of-bounds corridor this late at night? Terrible attempt at fleeting, uh, flirting and several other things. And Gemma gets extremely panicky and just shoots Sitwell in the stomach with a night-night gun. <laughs> Great. And Sky is you know, obviously horrified, tells her to go get May as she uh, tries to hack her way into finding out the status of Warden Fitz. Back to Warden Fitz, uh, they are on the run and they go into hiding. And uh, didn't mention this earlier, but Gemma made one of her famous mozzarella and prosciutto um, sandwiches with just a hint of pesto. You know, Fitz is just ready to dig in as they're in hiding, and Ward just basically takes it out of his hand and throws it in this body of water. And uh, you think Fitz is going to jump across the the room and claw his eyes out? I would have went for the sandwich. Yeah, right. Yeah, I would have dove for it, definitely. But, you know, Ward explains, it's like, there's search dogs looking for us. They would have picked up the scent, and then he hands Fitz, uh, you know, a odorless, tasteless, probably, power bar or something to feast on. (laughs) Yeah, it looked like a uh, (laughs) shield-issued... Shield-issued, yeah, soylent blue, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, Ward and Fitz are... uh, and, of course, Ward just tells him he's following Coulson's orders to take care of him, and Fitz is like, I don't need you to take care of him. Ward and Fitz are able to hitch a ride into the compound containing the device through some clever camouflage maneuvers. And very kind of, uh, they used this same thing, and, like, it was the elven cloaks in Lord of the Rings kind Basically, of. Basically, it was also magnetic. Yeah. <laughs> neat, neat stuff. Good spy stuff in this this episode. Yes. Sky comes across a series of redacted documents. She finds the file. Uh, she needs to learn that there's no extraction scheduled. So basically, you know, they were sent on a suicide mission. She tells Coulson that uh, Warden Fitz were sent there to die. She wants to know if he knew that there was no extraction plan. And Coulson says, of course, that was classified information. Level 8. You can't know this, Sky. It's for your own good. Yeah. Coulson confronts Agent Hand, though, soon after, who had told him that there was an extraction team. It was a lie. And it was told so an unproven agent like Fitz wouldn't, like, lose his shit that he was being sent <laughs> on a suicide mission. Not really a bad call. Uh, Hand tells Coulson that he needs to trust the system. We're hearing that a lot. Ward and Fitz go to work. Fitz dives into the tech end while Ward signals for the extraction and realizes they ain't going to be one. No. He gets an uneasy look on his face after, uh, after doing so and realizing that. And Fitz takes apart the weapon but disabling it will take time. And Ward is essentially ready to cut Fitz loose and go save yourself, blah, blah, blah. And Ward just tells Fitz, man, I'm, I'm as much an agent, you know, I'm here, I'm about the job, motherfucker. You know, yeah. I'm an agent shield, and, and we're doing this until it's done. So, yay, Fitz. Fucking oh, yeah. Badass in this episode. Yes, he was. May, Sky, and Gemma make plans to become a little instant extraction team of their own, and it'll just be the three of them until Coulson lets them know that four would be better. 
And so Coulson's going off the reservation, as they say. At the compound, Fitz disables the device they need to get out of there before the bad guys realize this. Too late. Alarm sound. Shield has begun their attack on the compound. Um, Ward takes out several soldiers while Fitz immobilizes the rest thanks to modifications he made on the weapon he swiped. He was basically wielding his own claw weapon. Yeah. That was awesome. And who knows? Maybe that's what Claw finds down the road somewhere. And, um, yeah, he's just flapping bad guys' guns left and right. Uh, eventually, though, they get surrounded and they step outside. It doesn't look good until Agent May pulls up with the bus and, and just blasts everyone with, with jet wash. And the cavalry has arrived. Back at the hub, Agent Sitwell says that the field agents are in the clear. Uh, he thought that there wasn't an extraction team, but Agent Han says it's Agent Coulson's team. They didn't need one, you know, even though they kind of did. <laughs> <laughs> On the bus, Fitz let Jim know that uh, the sandwich she made was for him was delicious. Lying, of course, you know, not to hurt her feelings. Along with telling her how he saved Ward's butt in the field, uh, which is not entirely inaccurate. Nope. <laughs> when he asked what she did in his absence, she just says, "I shot a superior officer in the chest." <laughs> regular day, regular day, you know, nothing new. <laughs> not for this team. Yeah. No. Coulson lets Sky know that he, he did some digging uh, while they're at the hub in regards to the redacted file on her past. He says the person who dropped her off at the orphanage when she was young was the S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, and it may have been her mother, or it may have been someone who just, you know, found her on a doorstep, for all he knows. Sky gives him a big hug for finding out this much, and Coulson is still holding something back, though, because some secrets are meant to stay secret. Oh, yeah. He asked me to help him find out what really happened as they both gaze down at the photo of what looks like to, uh, to be a dead body. Now we go to our stinger. Coulson tries to use his level 8 clearance to access a restricted file. He's looking for a death and recovery report on a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. And he's mostly interested in the recovery part, which doesn't usually go with death, but in this world it does. And it took place in Tahiti. It's a magical place. Mm -hmm. And Coulson is denied access to that particular file. And the agent he speaks with on the phone asks if he'd like to make a formal request to Director Fury. Coulson pauses for a moment before letting him know that it won't be necessary, and it seems some secrets truly are meant to stay secret. So, dun, dun, dun. Coulson respects the system at the end and then just goes his merry way. But, you know, there are little seeds in his mind. It's like, hmm, they're hiding stuff from me. That must mean something. <laughs> yes. So overall, a real fun episode. I really enjoyed rewatching it. You know, nothing, not, no real huge. There was actually some big Easter eggs from uh, Marvel Universe. Victoria Hand is, isn't she the one that's in charge of Sword in the comics? Or I'm thinking of Abigail something. I can't remember. Abigail Brand is who I'm thinking of in the comics. Who Whedon created for Astonishing X-Men. I don't even know how I know that. <laughs> um, okay, I, didn't even I know think it. I'm right, but... Uh, yeah, Victoria Hand is in the comics, too, with S.H.I.E.L.D. I, I've never read anything with her in it, but that's my understanding. Uh, and, you know, we get to see a little of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s inner workings, and we get to see Sitwell, which is weird going back and watching it, because spoilers if you haven't watched Winter Soldier, but Sitwell is Hydra, you know, as our <laughs> yeah. chunk of S.H.I.E.L.D., we, you know, this from the movies. And um, so it's just kind of... It gives him an extra layer of sliminess when we see him in, back in this episode rewatching it, kind of because we know where he's going. But um, it, I, I love Sitwell, and it's a shame that he didn't survive past the Winter Soldier. 
Spoiler. Well, this version <laughs> of Sitwell couldn't. Yeah, that's that's very true. Um, but that's about it. Just really great interplay between you know some good Ward and, and Fitz moments, and they they split up the teams. You know, is little can, turning it on its head a little bit. So yeah, this is a fun episode. Yeah, and uh, man, just the more I rewatch this, I just. I was from day one anyway, but I'm just like the biggest Fitzsimmons fan in the world, which means the Whedons will eventually kill them off on me. No. <laughs> no. More stuff happens. Yes, I know. But, but, uh, yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is... Um, somewhere down the line. <laughs> yeah. This is... Um, <laughs> yeah, the show, I at this point where it's... This one really is just a character-based episode. It's yeah. the plot is almost irrelevant. Yeah, yeah. In this one, uh, but that's where this show so far has shone. Anyway, it's with the interplay between all the different characters. Everybody does have. There's nobody that really is sort of uh, just a wishy-washy character. I guess you could say Grant Ward, uh, but that's kind of his function is to be uh, stone-faced and non-emotional because he's just there to whoop ass. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, more stuff down the line with him too. But um, I mean, the, the stuff with you know Colson having the you know trust in the system getting thrown back in his face is is cute. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's a uh, it's it's not letting go of the mysteries that ostensibly you're watching the show for. How come Colson's alive? What really happened? Who really are uh, Sky's mom and dad. Yeah, yeah, they're just dropping little breadcrumbs every so often and, and leading us there, um, which is the best way to do it, probably. Yeah, especially with the stuff that you know you do find out gets revealed. It's it's a long game that they play, but it's uh, it's worth it, I think. I like that they started doing very early on, turning the whole science geeks thing on their head and showing that. You know, well, fits it more than Simmons in this episode, but Simmons gets to shine a lot later on in the series. Uh, that he is competent, that he is, well, he, he's fearless more than anything. You know, whether he's competent or not, he he's all in as far as being an he's, agent yeah. of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like he yeah. says, he is a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, so, I yeah. mean, he's had S.H.I.E.L.D. training. He's, probably, he's not going to be the greatest hand-to-hand fighter in the world or anything, but this certain things that only he can do and nobody else there can do, which is why he was picked to go on this mission. Yeah. And you, you tell he's very defensive about it and rightly so, you know, and, and tells word flat out. It's like, I'm as much of a freaking agent as you are, you know? Yeah. You could kill me with the five finger death punch or whatever, you know, in your sleep before breakfast. But, uh, I, I, I could tech the shit out of you motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) And now I have a sonic gun. So, Oh yeah, yeah. So just great all the way around, and and that th- that is the day that I think Fitz is probably my favorite character on the show. Um, overall, and he continues to be. Um, yeah, they give him they give him a lot more stuff to play with too, yeah. which is helpful. Yeah, and that's really what it should be. I mean, it should, she, Agents of Shield should be the tech guys figuring stuff out as much as, you know, the muscle beating stuff up. <laughs> it really should be, you know, especially when they're, they're fighting supers occasionally, you know, yeah. the Ward's super martial arts can only take him so far, you know, in May's super martial arts. 
Um, sometimes you're going to need someone to, to jury rig a sonic supervillain gun. <laughs> so. Yeah, you got to have your your Scottish MacGyver on the team. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 almost unfortunate that that seems to become a Scottish stereotype, <laughs> engineer, <laughs> sciencey guy. But hey, you know, it, it's maybe it's it's paying tribute if nothing else. It's yeah, our, our beloved Scotty. Um, but man, he just he nails it. Ian DeCastaker. Just I, I want to see him in other stuff after this show. Yeah. <laughs> Probably more than any Absolutely. of the others. Absolutely. He's got uh, loads of charisma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What well, I want, to see, I want to see Coulson reunite with the Avengers, but that's probably never going to yeah, happen. Yeah, man. I, I, I don't know. I said, well, I think we're going to do, we'll do like a separate episode someday, just kind of get all of our shit out about stuff like that and the connections and lack of connections. And we'll have to do like the Easter egg show or something. Yeah. Do extensive minutes of research on, on that on the internet <laughs> yes at least several minutes multiple oh, yeah. minutes plural I that's did 20 much, minutes of google search and I'm an expert that's how much we love you people out there in audience land <laughs> I'm going to pass it on to my other half here Mr. Uh, Tyler why don't you give us some flash news 30 years ago I walked into a comic store and I picked up G.I. Joe and the Transformers number one A month later, I came back. They say every journey has a first step. Every story has a beginning. This is mine. I may have begun my comics collecting career in earnest in 1990, but from the fall of 1986 until the fall of 1987, I was a regular at my LCS. So in honor of 30 years of collecting comics, I'll be recapping and reviewing all of them on the days they originally came out. So join me, Tom Panneries, for Origin Story, a podcast miniseries starting this September at popcultureaffidavit.com and twotruefreaks.com. But secretly, I use my speed to fight crime and find others like me. And one day, I'll find who killed my mother and get justice for my father. I am the Flash. Flash news? Well, um, news like every, well, I guess it would be. The news is I'm waiting for the third season to start. And it's yeah. still like, you know, uh, over a month away at this point that we're recording. Yeah. So uh, let's cover uh, episode four of season one of The Flash. The episode is titled Going Rogue. Hmm. Okay. That must mean something. So uh, <clears throat> we start the episode with uh, Dr. Wells testing Barry's ability to multitask. He's playing operation, uh, chess, table tennis, um, you know, all with the uh, the people there at Star Labs. And um, 
at the same time that this is happening, uh, there's a band of thieves that are robbing a Blackhawk security truck uh, that is transporting the Kondok Dynasty Diamond. Uh, while this is going on, uh, they get the alert at Star Labs. Barry suits up, and he heads off to stop the armed car, uh, the armed car robbery. He manages to thwart the thieves. Uh, and he takes the mask off of the leader of this gang of thieves. Uh, and uh, we'll find out later on that that is Leonard Snart, a.k.a. Captain Cold. <laughs> so, yay. yay, one of the rogues. Mm, I wonder why it's called Going Rogue. Mm, clever <laughs> bastards, yep. Yeah. Um, during the course of the robbery, uh, one of the toughs shoots the one of the armed guards and Barry rushes him to the hospital. Uh, the Joe and Captain Singh show up at the site of the robbery. Barry shows up uh, late, as usual. Um, and uh, Joe basically asks him, look, do you know who did this? Uh, and he says, yeah, I, got a, I, got, I took, took the mask off one of the guys, and I know who, you know, I saw his face. Um, so uh, Barry quickly goes through back at uh, Central City Police Station uh, with Joe, uh, a list of mug shots. And they find out uh, that it is Leonard Snart. And Joe has a history uh, realizing that Leonard Snart's uh, dad was a dirty cop. And uh, we get a little more info about Leonard. Uh, Leonard, is uh, he shows up every six months or so, uh, makes a hit on something that he wants, steals it, and disappears. Uh, let's see here. Snart's father is also Michael Ironside, which we don't learn this season. But fuck yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, yeah. yeah, you can't go wrong with Michael Ironside. No. It's a big downgrade from being the voice of Darkseid to being <laughs> Len Snart's dad. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see here. Um, uh, Iris shows up at the precinct and tells uh, Barry that she's going to start writing a blog about this streak that's been going around Central City and Barry tries to warn her off of that saying it's only going to bring all these weirdos to your door uh, and she says it's going to be anonymous he says it doesn't matter yeah. um, and uh, uh, lo and behold uh, Felicity Smoke shows up in Central City <clears throat> yay Felicity even though we really haven't gotten too much felicity yeah. on our coverage yeah, of Arrow I, I want to give uh, Mike Zumo props for pointing out uh, via his obsessive compulsion disorder, apparently, that, you know, we have not, we are, like, completely out of time. You know, there's been some, some flash time travel shenanigans, and, and where we are in Arrow on this show and where we are in The Flash are not going to match up. So No, they are not. <laughs> If you'd like to do it in release and chronological order, be our guest. Yeah. Uh, okay. Everything is easily labeled for your mm-hmm. improvisational needs. Yes. Yep. Uh, so we cut back to uh, where Leonard Snart uh, and his men are, and he's going over about how they plan out this uh, attack. Uh, Leonard knows exactly how long the police are going to take. He knows what's going to happen. Uh, you know, down to the last second, and he gets mad at one of his guys for losing his cool, and uh, he uh, shoots this guy um, because the guy wants out, and like he says, "Well, then you're out." <laughs> so, yep. uh, <laughs> the retirement plan. Yeah, he also notices that uh, he realizes what the uh, the Flash's weakness is, um, and we'll get to that in just a bit. Uh, so, 
We have a little bit of CW happy, happy time with Barry and Felicity playing catch up uh, from what's been going on since uh, Barry's first appearance in the second season of uh, Arrow. Was it the third season? I don't even remember. I think it was second, yeah. Second. Uh, so she asks about, you know, what's happened. She wants to see, uh, she has to see it. And then she, in classic Felicity fashion, she says that, you know, the speed thing, not anything else. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love Felicity. Yeah. And uh, so Barry zooms off and takes a picture from the top of the nearest tall building, runs back down. And, uh, you know, he says, yeah, his sneakers are on fire at this point because of the friction. And she, he says, you know, that's why I wear a red frictionless suit. And uh, basically it's Barry's way of saying, hey, why don't you come back to my place and I'll show you all the cool stuff I have. So he brings her to <laughs> yeah. Star Labs and uh, Felicity gets reconnected with Cisco and uh, Dr. Snow. And she gets to meet Harrison Wells, uh, who's had his eye on her uh, because she's so brilliant. And uh, oh, he's I'm always sure that's the reason. Yeah, well, well, he's in a wheelchair now. Anyway, he can't do anything anyway. Or can he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so they, uh, you know, just take her into his special future room, and he can do whatever he wants. That's yeah. true. The special future room is that what you is that what you call the bone rack, Scott? Sure. Yeah. I'll take her to my special future room. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, um, they do a little back and forth about uh, you know how she works for the Arrow, and they work for. Their, you know, the Flash. Uh, she makes a nice little joke about them um, having more pointy objects in there uh, yeah. set up uh, there. Uh, let's see here. Um, we get some more CW uh, relationshipy stuff with uh, Detective Thon uh, talking to Joe about the relationship that uh, Thon has with funny stuff his daughter. Um, and then they do the really stupid gag about um, turning on the radio and every song is about getting it on. Yeah. La, 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 la. Really, really dumb. Um, okay, so getting back to the meat of the episode here. Um, a janitor from Star Labs um, has stolen some stuff from Star Labs. One of the items that he's stolen is a cold gun um, that he's – uh, snark takes it kills the guy because uh, he needs something that's going to slow down this blur that's been attacking uh, that attacked him earlier in the episode and has been seen all over central city uh, so there we go he gets the the goggles and the cold gun and uh, yay finally a rogue with the the yeah. rogue's weapons <laughs> um, let's see here um Iris decides to have double date night with Joe. I'm sorry, not Joe, with uh, Eddie and Barry and Felicity playing uh, basically bar trivia except at the coffee shop. And it's the greatest bar trivia I've ever seen because everybody's got a tablet to do their answers on. There's yeah. a big scoreboard and everything. I'm like, I've been, to, I played a million games of bar trivia. <laughs> yeah. It ain't like that. No. Um, yeah. People screaming things out in a crowded room. Yeah, you, yeah usually. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, we get some, uh, we cut back to some tense moments at Star Labs when Cisco realizes that the cold gun that he's created was stolen, and Harrison Wells is not too happy about this. Uh, we find out that Cisco created this cold gun in the eventuality that uh, Barry turned out to be uh, a not so nice guy. It's designed to stop the Flash specifically. Uh, let's see here. Uh, at this time, um, same time. 
Captain Cold, uh, even though he hasn't been dubbed that yet, is casing the museum where the jewel, the big diamond that he wanted to steal from earlier in the episode is now being displayed. The curator of the museum uh, calls uh, Joe over and because uh, Joe happened, happens to be there realizing that eventually Snart's going to try to take this diamond because he never lets up on anything that he wants. Uh, he asks um, the curator to let him know if anything weird is going on. And uh, the curator says, hey, one guy took the tour twice. Nobody ever does that. They get eyes on Snart. And uh, Joe uh, calls down and says, hey, look, we got eyes on him. Let's go get him. Snart uh, disappears, runs out the building. Joe follows him. And uh, Snart ends up in a like, – it looks like a movie theater, a playhouse of some type that's uh, like right across the street. And Joe follows him in right as uh, Captain Cold has got the draw on uh, Joe. The flash speeds in, pushes him out of the way. But he takes uh, not a glancing blow from the cold gun, but a pretty pretty heavy shot to the gut, mm-hmm. uh, side, of the, side of the gut from the cold gun. And this is where Snart tests out his theory on how he can stop the Flash. He uh, starts randomly shooting at all of the civilians that are in this place, and uh, Barry's running like hell to get them all out of the way. And uh, he does manage to save everybody except for one guard that's in there, and uh, Barry's totally torn up about it. And this is when... um, we get a little more drama finding out that uh, the Cisco letting on that he's cre- created the cold gun. He's responsible for it. Barry feels betrayed that they didn't tell him that he had made it. Uh, you know, CW. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see here. Uh, we go back to more CW action with Iris and Joe having a heart to heart about uh, why he's not pleased that his daughter is dating a police officer. And it has nothing to do with the fact that she doesn't want him dating a cop. It's their partners. And what if anything happened to either one of them? How would Joe look in her eyes? Blah, 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 blah. I don't care. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's, what's that? <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, it's still some funny stuff between, like, you know, the obligatory, you know, uh, between Eddie and, and Joe. There's some funny stuff there occasionally. But, yeah, it's just going to get me back to the flash and – Captain yeah, I mean it, it's. I mean it serves its purpose in this season <laughs> because of you know the end the end game that this season has to tell. But while you're watching it in these early episodes, I just don't. I just don't care. Some of the writing is pretty cringeworthy. I mean, it's just it's, it's totally cliche. You know, relationship. Dad's pissed. You know, and I'll you know threatens to kill the boyfriend and stuff. And you know, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but you just said necessary and. Yeah, you know, I could watch the guy that plays Joe read a phone book, so it's it's not that painful. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, we cut back to a little bit with Captain Cold. The two uh, cronies that he has say that they're out completely. They've got a gun to the back of his head, and he says, you better shoot me now because if I see you again, I'm going to kill you. Just, uh, we cut into a little, little interlude here with uh, Felicity being all uh, voice of reason, talking to uh, – no, Cisco. Uh, sorry, Barry. Uh, I can't even remember if it's Barry or Cisco she's talking to at this point. Um, she gets some, you know, like, look, you guys are thrown together overnight. The the team that I'm in, the, you know, is put together piece by piece. It yeah. takes time to to make stuff work as smoothly as you want it to. And uh, and a uh, good criminal, you can't keep him down. We find out uh, back at the museum, Snart's broken in. He is chased off by a security guard, but he does steal the Kondok Dynasty diamond in the process. So we find out that Cisco's uh, uncovered a way to track where the cold gun is. Um, 
because it's automatically been receiving updates from Cisco's tablet for, like, I guess it would be uh, software updates. He sends out a false update and wait, waits for it to ping back so they can locate where it is. Um, and uh, before he's able to do this, uh, though, um, they need to hack into <laughs> the Central City communications server or whatever it is. I don't even remember. Um, and it's going to take Cisco about a half an hour to do it. Thank God Felicity's there. Plot convenience. She's yep. able to hack into it in about 60 seconds. So uh, that's great. Barry suits up and he turns off his communications because he's kind of pissed. He doesn't feel like talking to anybody. Um, so not only does the flash track uh, snark down, uh, Joe and uh, Eddie are uh, also tracking him down at the train station. So looks like Snart's looking to get make his getaway. Joe has uh, Eddie stay back and wait for backup as he trails down Snart. And uh, we have a quick interlude back at Star Labs of Felicity telling them, look, you, you got to go help your friend. Despite what he said, uh, you know, you, this is the kind of stuff that, you know, you got to do. If he's your friend, you got to back him up. Uh, at the train station, uh, Snart again gets the drop on Joe, but Eddie, ignoring his senior partner's advice, follows him and keeps him from getting shot by Captain Cold. Captain Cold uh, manages to run off and hop on the train. Uh, Barry arrives uh, on the same train that Snart just got on, and uh, saying, "Look, you're not going to get away." And Snart then tells the Flash, "Look, it's not my it's not my intent to escape right now." And he starts immediately firing his cold gun down through the bottom of the train, freezing the uh, wheels and causing a tremendous wreck. Uh, right before the thing wrecks, Captain Cold jumps out, and then we get the super awesome uh, Flash Speedo scene. Not Speedo, but speedy, <laughs> speedier scene. Here. Yeah. They always do the, yeah, it's a little animated looking, but it's uh, the Flash doing you know the whole Matrix thing and hauling <laughs> ass as fast as he can go, trying to clear everybody out of this train as it's yeah. completely flipping over. Uh, and he manages to get everybody out. As soon as he does get everybody out, Captain Colt's sitting there waiting for him, and he freezes them to the ground with the freeze gun. Uh, right as that's happening, Cisco rolls up and you hear another freeze gun being activated. Cisco's got it aimed at Captain Cold and says, look, this is a bigger version of the gun you have. If you don't leave him alone, I'm going to shoot you with it. Snart's not buying it. Um, but he says, you know, you've never killed anybody. And <laughs> this is where Cisco says this is the first time for everything Captain Cold. He gives him lame. And you can tell Snart kind of likes the name. He kind of yeah. chuckles yeah. a little bit, which is great. Uh, so he... Uh, Snart bites on the on the threat and he walks away. Cisco then says, "All right, and you got to leave the diamond." And Snart says, "Don't push your luck." Um, oh God, Captain Cold is so good on this show. Yeah. Uh, we find out that the super awesome Cold Gun was just the Star Labs uh, <laughs> vacuum cleaner with a bunch of LEDs on it to try to fake out yeah. uh, Snart, and uh, it works. So uh, that team kind of reconciles, uh, which is great. Uh, Joe kind of reconciles with uh, Iris saying, look, Eddie saved my life. You know, it's going to he's not super OK with them dating, but like he understands it at yeah, least. Now they, I can't kill him. God damn it. Yeah. Now it's like I can't really be a trick to him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As uh, this is when Felicity takes her uh, time to say, look, uh, you know, it's been nice catching up with you, but I got to get back to my own team. Get to that guy uh, with the better abs than you have. Yeah. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, why, why, how do you know that, Scott? <laughs> Watching all of his abs. You can't take your eyes off them. They're amazing. Yeah. If I could do that salmon ladder all day, 
I'd be doing it too. Right. But this is what, we're not talking about Arrow right now. We're talking about Flash. Uh, so we do get a nice scene at the end here. Felicity's on the train back to Starling City, and Barry zoops in in plain clothes and sits down, scares the shit out of her. Mm. And uh, they talk about how they're perfectly perfect for each other, but they both want somebody else. They have a, an excellent callback here. Um, if you're a big DC fan, after Barry scares the crap out of her, uh, Barry says, oh, look, statistically, trains are still the safest way yeah, to travel. Yeah, and Felicity true. corrects him and says, I thought that was airplanes. And Barry just goes, hmm. It's like that the guys that are writing this show uh, clearly <laughs> have an affection for yeah, uh, the Donner Reeve uh, Superman. Uh, so if you didn't already like this show and you're a big fan of that original movie from the 70s, then should clue you in. Uh, maybe you should watch this show. And I got to mention that, and this will air weeks after the episode I'm about to talk about, but um, geeking out the new Kevin Smith thing, he's directed a episode of like season four or season three of The Flash, I think, and he just... Like, he took his cameras to that episode, and he interviewed Grant Gustin. Um, and Grant, when he's interviewing him, has a Christopher Reeve freaking Superman shirt on it. It's just like, oh, that's so fucking perfect. Respect. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, nice. yeah, that was that was a nice little, nice little in-joke for some yeah. of us older folk that, you know, remember yeah. Remember the old times. Oh, yeah. Uh, Barry and Felicity share a friendly kiss. Uh, Barry runs off woohooing into the night so our stinger for this episode is not a harrison wells based singer stinger but it is uh captain cold meeting an old friend uh this old friend we'll find out is uh mick rory aka heat wave and uh snart wants to pull a job with them but he needs uh, a crew so uh captain cold is recruiting uh the man who will be known as heat wave and uh mick broke out of prison once together didn't they or uh, we get more of their backstory uh, right. later on. I can't they remember both in prison break? Of. The, the show Prison Break? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, Captain Cold was played by Wentworth Miller, um, and Heat Wave is played by uh, Dominic Purcell. They are the uh, brothers from Prison Break, uh, which uh, this is the kind of casting that it's just so – it's so f- genre and fan-friendly, and these two already have chemistry from being yeah. on that show for yeah. like three or four years. Yeah, uh, it just works out real, real well. Uh, so the stinger is uh, Captain Cold starting to assemble some rogues. And uh, he starts with Heatwave, his old friend. And uh, he gives him a gun uh, that's similar to his cold gun, but, uh, you know, will have the opposite effect. Uh, so this is, um, you know, this is the Flash. This is what this show does. It gives you the CW stuff that... You know, certain a certain demo is turn, tuning in for the pretty people having yeah. relationship problems, um, but it does also give you all the sci-fi and uh, the action that you want as well. well. I think, especially for this episode, it was like necessary filler because they spent a shit ton of money on this episode. Just the music rights alone. I mean, it started off yeah. with some free "All Right Now." They had a little Marvin Gaye going on in there, and. Yeah, it was like, and the effects, and it was just the perfect introduction to, to Captain Cold. They really went all out for it. Yeah, that's um, is he as uh, he the 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 way that they've updated his costume too. What I like to see a guy in a blue jumpsuit that looks like he's got frost all over. Yeah, him. Sure. yes, I but would. I mean, 
for what they're doing for this show, though, he's got a big blue parka on with a ruffle. Yeah, and he's wearing the goggles. Well, yeah, mean, we got an, uh, a logical explanation for the goggles, and they yeah. protect from the glare of the uh, ice that this thing creates. It's yeah. super bright when it's releasing the uh, the ice out of the, uh, the the barrel of the gun. Uh, so it it definitely works. Um, some things that I noticed uh, watching this. Um, so uh, we, they've already teased at a crisis in the future um, early on in the season. And Felicity makes a point to bring up about talking about what happens if Barry runs too fast. Mm. And will he turn into dust? Will he just be, you know, a red suit that's empty? Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was neat. Kondak is uh, – that's where uh, Black Adam is from. Oh, okay. I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, so that's uh, – so that, I mean there's potentially Captain Captain Marvel, Shazam could – you know, it's – you know, the, the origin of, of Black Adam has been mentioned on there. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, so uh, that was one of the other things I noticed. Um, you know, this is uh, – you know, I'm trying to think if there's any other major things that I noticed here. Um, I don't know. Uh, I think that's about the, the biggest things that I mentioned uh, noticed um, in terms of little like side things that are thrown in there. Um, but again, it's a this show uh, is is I think we've mentioned it. Arrow took some time getting going, um, and it settled into a groove about halfway through its first season and it hit stride in its second and third seasons. The Mistakes that were made during the first season of Arrow do not apply to The Flash. Um, The show, no pun intended, has hit the ground running um, and has it doesn't really let up. Um, It's a much stronger first season than Arrow's first season. Fourth episode, we're meeting you know his one of his most famous villains ever. You know, yeah, and it would have been could have been one of those things they could have held him out and not done him uh, for longer, but. they start getting the rogues going early, and it's not the last rogue that we'll see. Yeah. Um, so it's um, it's it's working pretty well so far. Two things that struck me about this episode, going back and watching it, was one I'd kind of forgotten from him being on like Legends of Tomorrow and stuff. I'd forgotten how ruthless they made Snark. Yeah, um, you know, just flashing freaking yeah, yeah, literally, and yeah, just. You know, killing henchmen that want out and, you know. Killing henchmen, but yeah, yeah. he does make a point to say that they don't kill cops or civilians or security guards unless it's absolutely necessary. Yeah. Which He's a thief more than first, a murderer. Yeah, absolutely. But he, he gets pretty murdery in this episode. <laughs> he, well, ices, he has to test a theory. Yeah, Ice is the guy that, you know, sells him the gun and, and he clearly stole the, the heat gun from him, too. But yeah, well, that um, wasn't a cop or a security guy or a civilian. No, that was a bad guy, scumbag, you know, black market guy. Yeah, so he's expendable. Yeah. But yeah, so interesting, and we we do learn a lot more about Sinart's, uh you know, background and such um, later on in the series and and some of his motivations. So that's that's very cool too. Um, and they even mentioned a little bit. Joe's talking about his father, you know, bad cop, and and took it out on the son and and, and or the kids. And we, we get to see that fleshed out a lot more yeah. later on, too. So, yeah, out of all the villains, uh, you know, Flash does a lot of the Monster of the Week, too, and some of the villains die, you know, and we'll never see him again or maybe never yeah. see him this again. isn't a Monster of the Week, though. This is no. just a regular guy. No, this is – and actually the other thing – okay, three things. But the other thing with Snart, anyway, that 
it made me a little sad that, I mean, as you said, the, the Flash is, you know, we got a call out to crisis in the first episode, <laughs> you know, the pilot episode of Flash. Um, and they go some very big themes and, and, you know, they don't waste much time in the second and third season and, and doing some really whack out, you know, wacky out there, seriously, like cosmic and time travel DC stuff. And I almost wish that they had just at times that we would gotten more episodes like this, that they would have, you know, maybe developed the rogues a little better and have them end up being a bigger bad for the whole season and I, I just love Snart, man. I just love Wentworth Miller in this role and, and Dominic in, in the other role. And, and just as, as much as we can see of them, I just want more and more and more. <laughs> yeah. They, well, they don't skip out. I mean, the, no. the rogues become a, a big part of the show. Um, and it's it, Captain Cold is a recurring character. <laughs> and the third thing was I just still want fucking Barry and Felicity to be together. They should be together. They should be together. That's it. That's it? Yeah, but it's never going to be. No, no. Never going to be. I mean, like, where Iris is and everybody in that character development at this point, and, and oh, my, the, the chemistry between Grant Gustin and, and uh, her name escapes me right now. Emily Bent Rickards. That's it, yeah. Yes, okay. Yeah, their chemistry is phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, as characters and as actors, it's just off the charts great. And, <laughs> yeah, you're cheering for those two to get together, and and this is kind of the episode where we kind of have the the cold water thrown in our face and be like, no, no, we got other people. You know. <laughs> yeah, get the guy with the salmon ladder. You just can't. You know, you're, you're too fast. I'd, be, I'd pick the guy with the salmon. <laughs> you are the fastest too. man alive, Barry. I'm just saying. Yeah, you know. And Oliver's also a you know millionaire. Yeah, or was that doesn't hurt. Yeah, <laughs> that never hurts. Always ups the attraction level. <laughs> it does help. It does help. But, any other any other notes on uh, these two episodes tonight? No, I mean, just I'm just really having a great time going back and watching them. <laughs> so, oh, the uh, Blackhawk protect the Blackhawk security. That's um. That also comes back into play. And not as only is it a reference to the Blackhawks, but yeah. they never really tie it into the DC Comics Blackhawks. Uh, but there is uh, some Arrow uh, stuff that will tie into that later on. But you talk about, like, the, I, I had no idea that was a Black Adam reference at all. Conduct, uh, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, I mean, that's the kind of thing, yeah, it's it's almost disappointing. I mean, Flash is a lot, Pepper's thing's a lot more Easter eggs. Like, I mean, like, well, I think he would, Arrow might be the one that actually mentions ferris air first but i you know and my doubts will ever see a green lantern on these shows uh well hal jordan has a cameo he does i don't remember oh wait In you this? don't see his face you see a, a brown bomber jacket that says jordan on it panned by the camera in this in episode, bar. Was it? I can't remember if it's on Flash or Arrow, but it, he does show up. Oh, I don't remember that. So there is a Hal Jordan in this continuity floating around somewhere. That would be incredible. I just uh... you'd have to introduce. Oh God, yeah. if they ever did Green <laughs> Green Lantern and Green Arrow, even if it's only one episode, I don't care. Well, I just recently watched, and again, it won't be recently when people hear this, but I, like the uh, Arrow, the next. The Arrow season five panel, um, over at the I think it was the Salt Lake City Comic Con, and they they got talking about somebody asked them about the the famous you know when they announced the movie Flash, and and 
Stephen Amell made kind of a, you know, a statement about the timing of it. And he, he clarified that he wasn't pissed about them recasting Barry so much as the timing. And we talked about this on the show too. And I think they, they also, you know, asked him, um, not gone, completely lost my thought on that one. Where the hell would I like going with that? See, that's what you do when you get do two podcasts in one night. Uh, no. <laughs> okay. I guess we'll edit that part right out. <laughs> yeah, I haven't watched any panel coverage of uh, what they're going to do for season five. They, they do need to do a little bit of a course correction because uh, season four had some some real low lows, yeah. unfortunately. Um, not, not to the point where I'm going to stop watching the show, but um, I understand they're playing with mythical and magical stuff in Arrow, which is great. Uh, I think they need to start getting it back to ground level, beat them up stuff a little bit more though. Yeah, yeah. for that show anyway. I think they're going to focus on that, and we're, we'll get the whole uh, Russian subplot flashbacks next. Yeah, season. I'm looking forward to that because um, you know eventually that's that the flashbacks in this season for that are going to have to end with him uh, getting home. Yeah, pretty much. Yep. Well, that's what he. That's one thing he did say in the panel at the end of. Uh, Season five is pretty much where we meet Oliver in season one. So, yeah, makes sense. I would like to see somebody at some point do a chronological edit of all that. It would be kind of interesting. Yeah. You know, and I'm from your lips to the Internet's ears, I'm sure it'll happen. (laughs) Somebody do it. I don't know how to. Yeah. I theoretically know how to. I just don't want to take that much goddamn effort. Oh, my God. That would take so long. That's a lot of content. to deal with, yes. Do a chronological edit of all the flashbacks. Yeah. It would be interesting. It definitely would be interesting. But as I said, uh, yeah, Flash is great about Pepper and the Easter eggs, and and Arrow does too, uh, just not quite as as hardy. And, uh, oh, that's what it was. Uh, Amel addressed the rumors of um, that – he claims that the WB didn't shut down, that they weren't the reason that Suicide Squad members on the show started dying. Spoilers for other episodes. You know, that there was no interference in the studio. I'm not sure if I believe that or not. But I think the TV versions of these characters, I think Berlanti has kind of probably at risk of his own job, although he's getting the ratings, so I don't think they dare fire him. I don't think he's in any risk. No, so I think he's just kind of gone, fuck it. And then with the whole Flashpoint thing coming up, spoilers, you know, uh, that they can do anything they want. (laughs) And with Legends, they can do anything they want. And and now I wouldn't be surprised if we see a a Green Lantern show up. Well, they're letting him play with Superman. Yeah, so that's just... I mean, that tells you everything. Whether they'll let him play with Batman or... Yeah. Wonder Woman? I don't know. Maybe not. Well, I, I just read something. I didn't read the story, but the new comedy show they got coming out, you know, the one that's like an insurance company in the DC universe, that somehow they're going to, there's at least going to be mentions of Wonder Woman in that, or she's going to be tied in somehow. Uh, I don't know. Just wrapping it up pretty much. I mean, another couple of great episodes, and, and uh, looking forward to watching more Flash, I guess. Should have pulled I'm up. looking forward to everything. Pulled up our little schedule here. Yeah, I actually almost feel bad. I, I shouldn't feel bad. I should never apologize for these things, I guess. But I almost feel like we should have maybe plowed through Arrow first and gotten to 
I was just so excited to start watching The Flash again. So yeah, it it would have been a long slog. Um, yeah, I think if we were do if we were doing an index, that would be Jesus two full seasons. Yeah, of that before touching anything else, it's a long slog with Arrow, especially with some of the earlier episodes. But uh, let's wrap it up for another week. What do you say, Mister Hero? <laughs> Uh, I'd say we're I'd say we're good. We'll uh, what's our schedule say? So next week we'll be doing yeah, blah, 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 Agents of Shield season one episode eight and Arrow season one episode probably four five. I honestly don't remember where we left off. Let me find my schedule here. I actually do have organization here, which is <laughs> unusual for me if you know me, but <laughs> for you guys, anything. Uh, Yep, looks like it'll be episode four Arrow. Um, probably me covering that one, you doing the shield, or we'll mix it up. I, I, I was going down our schedule, and I'm like, I gave Chris all the flashes. What the fuck was I thinking of there? So we may have to sh- shuffle that up a little bit, because I want to talk about the flash, too. <laughs> all right. At least do a recap um, one of these days. So we'll, we'll shuffle up our schedule a touch. But next week, yeah, definitely episode eight of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., episode four of arrow so please join us again uh email is weeklyheroics at yahoo.com no email this week but we'll forgive you it was a holiday weekend when this was recorded so yeah not when you'll hear it so still trying to wrap my head around being ahead of the production schedule like this <laughs> <laughs> you're the showrunner scott i'm just the I'm i just on air talent so i, I was replaced. a live radio guy so i'm not used to this whole having shit done beforehand thing it's cool, though, because we could miss a couple weeks and you wouldn't know it because I have shows to put out. Yay. Uh, <laughs> Redundancy. Yes. Love it. All right, folks. Talk to you later. Bye now. Bye. You give me uh, five minutes, man. I got to run downstairs. Yeah. I need to do this. I know we were almost done. But, it's all good. Um, <clears throat> keep on rolling. I will be right back. I'm so lonely So fucking lonely <laughs> That was your Magnus moment <clears throat> Just take a Might get a hit off my v- Vaporizer Hot man with a hot mic Talking words into it Oh, I wonder if Scott will listen to this when he's editing But who knows We were finally invited aboard one of these spacecraft which landed near Ann Arbor, Michigan on October the 24th of 1954. This is a drawing of the craft. As I was leaving the craft, the commander, Soltek, said, soon others of your people will be able to have an experience similar to this.